this actually came up when one of my friends dated one of these people, mm-hmm. uh, but I call him the Venice conscious male. <laughs> yes. um, and like, he's a very specific kind of person, right? So he's like super into biohacking. Like he probably tapes his mouth shut at night and like oh really wants to talk about blue blockers. You know, he like loves Justa. Nothing, Justa is delicious. Don't get me wrong. But like, that's his spot for sure. Like he probably microdoses. you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. He wants to talk about his like next ayahuasca ceremony in Joshua Tree and like Burning Man. Yeah. And like he probably frequents like sound baths and tea ceremonies. But like this person will probably also still do coke off a toilet seat and like probably yes. call drugs medicine you know what i mean like that's yeah. that person you describing this gave me so much anxiety because i just imagine <laughs> being on a date with this person and them bringing these things up i have nothing to contribute at all literally nothing for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. I am really excited about today's episode because I've always kind of built this as a podcast about the shared experience of dating in Los Angeles. And I have a fellow Los Angeles resident and we actually have a lot in common. We are both 30 and dating in Los Angeles. We're both balancing podcasting alongside a full-time career. And she actually hosts an amazing new podcast called So I Met This Guy, which is all about dating and the crazy stories that happen when you're going on dates in the city. And so I'm really excited to introduce Emily Hacker. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I was so excited when I saw your podcast. I think I found it through Instagram, was instantly hooked after like two episodes. I was like, wow, this is (laughs) so relatable, very binge worthy. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it kind of all got started when I was sitting around a lunch table with some of my coworkers, like swapping stories. And I just thought, gosh, you know, like everybody has these stories, like, you know, slowly but surely people sort of think, yeah, I would listen to that. And (laughs) so it was born. And I, you know, I just love hearing the crazy things that happen to people because it blows my mind every time. Yeah, it is really nuts. And I think it's such a topic that everyone can relate to. And it actually started the same way for me. It was me and another coworker who were talking. And whenever it would just be the two of us, if we were working late, we would just be swapping dating stories and be like, oh, we should do a podcast about this. And so that is where it kind of all stemmed from. But I have a question for you. I'm wondering how open are you with your coworkers about your dating life? Because it's such an interesting Mm. balance to strike. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, (laughs) I think the thing that adds like another layer of it is I was actually their manager and it (laughs) took me, (laughs) it took me a while to figure out where the balance was. And, you know, ultimately we ended up just kind of developing friendships outside of work. So we had pretty forthcoming and honest conversations about dating. Mm -hmm you know, I think it's definitely circumstantial. It's not that way now. (laughs) And you know, the work dynamic that I have. But yeah, it was uh, definitely definitely took me a minute to kind of feel that out and wonder exactly how how transparent I should be. But they you know, it just was a reciprocal relationship for sure. Yeah, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like once you form those relationships outside of the office, it becomes a lot easier, which is definitely hard in these times. But yeah, for me with former jobs, it's like, okay, once we've gone to happy hour a few times, I think we can start to broach these topics. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I know I listed a few things that we have in common, but I think one of the most bonding things as I was listening to, I think your first episode, you mentioned that you went on multiple dates in a day. And oh I think gosh. when I've told people that they're like, you're insane, but we've both done it on multiple occasions, which oh, yeah. I learned kind of when we connected. And so, yeah, I would love to hear your infamous story of like the time that you went on four <laughs> dates in one day. Yeah. So it's actually the second time I've done something like that. The first time it was like, four four or five dates in a span of like 36 hours or something like that. So it was <laughs> mm-hmm. not quite so condensed, but even still, you know, I think the thing about dating, especially app dating, right, is that mm-hmm. you have a very short window where you have that person's captive attention mm-hmm. and there's a brief moment when you can get off the apps. And so that yeah. was kind of where this came from. And I was like, okay, well, the only free time I have is on Saturday and <laughs> I'm trying to meet all these people. So I guess we're going to do this. <laughs> and so I did a coffee date, a lunch date, a dinner date, and then sort of like an after dinner drinks, like Mm -hmm. rendezvous. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it was two first dates and two second dates. And after that, I was so burnt out. I mean, I met Mm -hmm. the first guy for coffee and almost instantly I knew there just like wasn't of, you know, energetic connection. And then the lunch date was fine, but just fine. Um, And then the dinner and the after dinner drinks were both like the second dates. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just one of those things where I, I walked away from it just saying never again. But I did it the first time too. The first time I also (laughs) walked away saying I'm never going to go on that many dates in that short period of time because it's so energetically draining. And, you know, it's one of those things you don't really, it sounds like a really good idea at the time. You're like, this is going to be super efficient. I'm going to do my hair once. I'm going to (laughs) wear maybe two outfits, right? Like put on a jacket for the evening or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, by the end of it, I I, I honestly took like a solid app break after that because I was so Oh, exhausted. It is so exhausting. And you're right. It does seem like a good idea at the time. It's like, what could possibly go wrong? It'll like make sure that I'm not extending or dragging these dates out because I have a hard out. And my most crazy experience was very similar to yours. I think I had four dates in one weekend. And it was like a Friday night dinner, like Saturday morning, I went on a hike in like Palos Verdes. And then Saturday night, I went to a rooftop movie downtown. And then Sunday afternoon, I was like day drinking at the deck in Hermosa. And so it was like, not only was it all of these activities, they were literally spread out across Los Angeles. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a commute like you built it. That's a lot of drive time. The Palos Verdes in particular, I was like, what am I doing out here? It was pretty (laughs) nuts. Like, it was beautiful. But it was just like, again, I think three of them were first dates. And one of them was like a third date with someone who I, after the second date, I was like, I don't know about him, but like, let me give it another try. And none of them were like, oh, I'm so glad I went on this date. So it just added insult to injury, to be honest. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's the other thing about going on multiple dates in one day is you forget what you've said to different people. You're like, did I tell that person that story about my day already or Mm -hmm. about my life or whatever it is? And you start to lose track. And it, it definitely, there's diminishing returns on, Mm -hmm. on that kind of dating. It's so true. And so I'm going to be honest, like this was a little while ago, it was maybe like 2018. And so I couldn't quite remember it. I was like, I know I did this. Like, let me go back through my old texts and like see what I did for the dates and kind of like piece it together. And as I was scrolling through, I never delete text messages. And so I was like shocked to see 
how many conversations I was juggling. Like people who I was like, I literally couldn't even like tell any identifying detail about this person who I was texting because I didn't meet up with a lot of them. Right. But it was just like so eye opening because a lot of the conversations, it was like maybe it would trail off because I didn't respond, which I usually right. don't do. I think I was just like at a place where I was so overwhelmed and like, starting to become more discerning because, you know, someone would follow up and be like, oh, are you still down to hang out Saturday? And if I hadn't heard from him in a few days, I would be like, no, I made other plans. I assumed we weren't doing anything. Right. It was kind of like interesting to get this view into me about to reach my breaking point and about to kind of take a step back. And so it really brings me to like the question of like burnout and kind of how to identify when you're approaching that stage of burnout and when you think it's a good time to kind of pull back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for I think you hit the nail on the head. Like a lot of it is just like becoming completely apathetic, right? You just mm-hmm. do not care. Either like you're saying yes to everybody with a total disregard for your schedule, <laughs> you know, and your own <laughs> yeah. personal boundaries, or you just are kind of like letting everything fall to the wayside. I think mm-hmm. those two extremes are both uh, signs that you're about to hit <laughs> hit burnout for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, anytime you're going through the motions, like the same thing, like if you can't remember anything about that person after the date, which happens. Mm-hmm. To me, sometimes I'll walk away and I'll go, Wow, I don't remember a single thing about that person. I know they told me a lot, but you lose that sense of active listening, right? You're just there going through the motions. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one for me is just I can't remember what you told someone, um, you know, or like telling stories on autopilot because there are certain. (laughs) You're like, I know that it's going to get a laugh at this point. Like, There are certain like plug and play stories that we fit into certain conversations or certain mm-hmm. ways that we tell things. I definitely have have a couple of <laughs> a couple of those. Yes. Um, but whenever I find myself, you know, talking and just not even being just totally present or like thinking about my grocery list, like I know that I'm yeah. I'm about to hit burnout. Or another one I think is like being impressed by little things that shouldn't oh be God. impressive. Yes. Yes. Low standards. Like, oh my God, yeah. you opened the door. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, little things like that. Just those little super basic things that should just be standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seem like so overwhelmingly impressive and, yes. uh, you know, put that person to the top of the list all of a sudden. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a sign that <laughs> maybe it's time for a break. You're so right. It's like, oh my God, he texted me if I got home safe. It's like, okay, that's a pretty basic thing that people should do, but not everyone does it. So when you he have that wide... He followed up to tell me he had a nice time. Oh my God. Like, wow. we're soulmates. He's the one. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear like what mindset you were kind of in when you were going through all these dates. And I think that you kind of touched upon it a little bit in that you were saying there is this short window. Like if you fall into pen pal stage, neither of you is going to want to meet up with the other person. So you have to strike while the iron's hot. In addition to that, I think for me, it was like, you know, there was kind of this FOMO, but it was like fear of missing out on like meeting the one specifically, where I was like, yeah, but I can't say no to this date because like, what if he's amazing in person and then I never get to find out? So did you feel like you were also kind of going through that? Absolutely. So it's sort of like a runaway train, right? Like you start to build this momentum and then you're talking to more and more people. And I personally really believe that you don't know if you're interested in somebody until you're standing in front of them, right? Like I'm a very firm believer in that. And Mm -hmm. so that plays into this a lot because I hate the talking stage. I hate Mm -hmm. it. I can't stand it. I don't want (laughs) to chat with you about your day or your weekend. Like I would rather just meet up for coffee, 
see if there's a, any kind of connection and then yeah. take it from there. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm always very, you know, gung ho about getting off the app and meeting someone in person. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that is just like, okay, well, I, I need to meet this person and I only have this much time and I'm trying to hold my own personal boundaries for the things that are important to myself. And yeah, just that's, I think that's a lot of it is just trying to squeeze it in because you really mm-hmm. do have this short window or that person's gone. And mm-hmm. some of it is just kind of getting into that stage where it's like, okay, well, I guess I better do it. Just we're going, we're going. <laughs> We're doing it. Okay, here we go. So yeah, you just kind of get that momentum and yeah, like a runaway train just can't be stopped. Uh, You're so right. The momentum is definitely real. It's so overwhelming. And so when you do like kind of take that break, what are signs for you that you feel like you're ready to get back on the apps and that you've taken enough time? Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, shortly after that, <laughs> that four date in one day situation, I did take a pretty substantial, substantial break. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that when you're taking that break, right, it's really important to dive into the things that are important to yourself. And mm-hmm. even as cliche as that sounds, just like focus on yourself, you know, Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, once I feel really grounded and reconnected in the things that are important to myself, I feel like I've reestablished a good rhythm and routine for my life and mm-hmm. see that there's actually genuinely space for other people. Yeah. That's when I usually feel like it's time or I feel that there's an innate desire to get mm-hmm. back, <laughs> you yeah. know, or to start meeting people again, um, mm-hmm. where I feel genuinely curious about meeting other people rather than, you know, just sort of like forced curiosity of like, oh, I feel like I should be dating or I should. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just trying to get out of the shoulds. Yeah, I think those are such great metrics. Because yeah, I feel like when I was in this period where I was going on so many dates, it was also when we were, you know, going into the office in person, I was commuting, trying to maintain a social life. And my only hobby, which I won't even call it a real hobby was going to the gym. Like I had Mm. no other hobbies at the time, just because I didn't have any time left for myself. And there were also days where I feel like, you know, I'd be at work and I'd be in one of the like five work slash date appropriate outfits that I had. And like, part of me, if I hadn't met the person yet, and I wasn't super excited about it, I would just like hope that they would cancel. And it's like, that is, that's not a good place to be in. Like, you can't meet the one if you're like secretly hoping that they can't make it that night. Absolutely. I've been in that place. That's another great metric for burnout, for sure, is if you're hoping people cancel. (laughs) So sad. Yeah, it's not good. Not proud of it. But we've moved past it. So I guess, you know, I think that, you know, problem was very unique to pre-pandemic. And obviously dating during the pandemic has its whole other host of issues that could be a whole podcast in itself. But have you found it easier to keep those boundaries like since dating has shifted a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I, I do. And, you know, I also think that for me, like, again, like a very, a first date, a first meeting with somebody, I don't think it needs to be dinner or something elaborate. I don't need to spend three hours with you. Like, let's grab coffee and go for Mm -hmm. a walk. And those types of dates are now very appropriate, you know, in pandemic times, which I think is really great because it sort of lends itself to this like casual, light meetup, you know, where you can kind of put your feelers out there without, you know, a super heavy time investment. So I do think that that's shifted things in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm also a big fan of the coffee date. I've definitely had one guy in particular who I remember I tried to suggest that we do coffee or breakfast. And he was like, no, I really like going on dinner dates for the first date. <laughs> and it wasn't even a good date. And I was like, he really shouldn't have insisted upon this. But also I should have been more firm and been like, if we want to meet, then we're going to do something casual for our first date. So lesson learned. 
Absolutely. And you know, I don't know, this is like kind of vain, I suppose, but I've always found dating to be very like calorically expensive because, you know, I also don't drink that much. So Mm -hmm. to go on multiple, you know, drinks or dinner dates in a week, like (laughs) girls got to go to the gym a whole lot more. (laughs) You're so right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, do you want a second drink? And if you say no, even if you're having a good time, the implication is going to be like, oh, she's not into it. So you feel kind of obligated to say yes to that second drink, even though you're like, oh, it's getting past my bedtime and it's a Wednesday. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm an early riser too. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I always feel bad being like, well, I get up super early. I'm like, I'm not that lame. I promise. I know. I remember going on a date with this guy. I think he was a musician or something, of course. And it was like 11 o'clock and I was like, I need to go to bed. Like in the morning. (laughs) And so we're leaving the bar and he's like, well, what are you doing after this? Which first of all, red flag, because I was like, it's our first date. Um, And I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to go home. And he's like, oh, are you sure? And I was like, Yes, I'm sure. I'm so sure. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Leave some mystery, something something for next time, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to give you like 100% on, again, a Wednesday night at 11 p.m. That's nuts. (laughs) Oh, man. So because you're from LA, I wanted to dive into the topic of if you think dating in LA is really more difficult than it is in other Mm. cities. And I feel like every city kind of seems to think that their city is the most difficult for a specific reason, and they all vary. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on what makes LA difficult that is kind of unique to our city. Well, I do think that all like major metropolitan areas probably suffer from some similar issues, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But in LA specifically, I do think that, I mean, again, like there's this like attention economy, right? Mm -hmm. And you have an ever like replenishing supply of new people coming into the city. So I think yeah. that's part of it mm-hmm. is, you know, so Aziz Ansari has this book called Modern Love and he likens- Love that book. Right, so good. He's got this like jam and jelly analogy where he's like, it used to be where there are four types of jam in the grocery <laughs> store and you'd just pick that kind of jam and you'd be happy with that jam for the rest of your life. And now, you know, there's a whole aisle full of jam mm-hmm. and it's just that grass is always greener mentality, yes. right? And that yes. to me is- so true in LA, right? Mm -hmm. There's no shortage of like gorgeous, beautiful people. Um, You know, there are a lot of people who come here um, with big dreams and like the Mm -hmm. Peter Pan syndrome, you know what I mean? I think there's a lot of that. And it's a giant city, right? Where the, mm-hmm. it's the land of accessibility. Yeah. But by the same token, like despite the fact that there are all these people here, you know, it's a sprawling city, which I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't realize, right? Like there's really no central hub or central yeah. downtown. Yeah. And so, you know, you end up dating in your neighborhood, right? Because like Silver Lake, I'm in Santa Monica. Silver Lake may as well be in Texas. Like it's so <laughs> far away, <laughs> you yes. know, like I'm never going to date somebody in Silver Lake. So despite the fact that there is an endless supply of people, people are really spread out. Whereas I think in Manhattan, right, they have the opposite problem. Like people are just mm-hmm. on top of each other. So, um, so right. even though there are a ton of people there, you're not so spread out. But I think the sprawling nature of, of Los Angeles is actually a limiting factor in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's a great point. And as I think about it, three of my four boyfriends, it's going to sound crazy. They've all lived within a 10 minute drive of me, like not on the freeway. And it's not like I'm picking people because they live where they live, but I just think it made it easier for us to kind of pursue things and see each other more frequently and not deal with scheduling issues. 
It's so interesting. And yeah, the traffic also, it seems so silly, but I think that people are already a little bit flaky in LA. We're all already busy and spread very thin. And so when you have to travel potentially an hour to see somebody, you're less likely to form that connection and really pursue it. Right, exactly. Super limiting. Like I never would have gone on a date in Palos Verdes. I'm never going to see that person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, rookie mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, living in Santa Monica, I, downtown is 12 miles away from me. And if there's mm-hmm. no traffic, sure, it can take me 20 minutes. But most of the time, it's going to take me between 45 minutes and an hour and a half. And yeah. that's a long distance relationship, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And when we were commuting, like my range on the dating apps was a bit wider just because mm. I live near Culver and I was commuting to Glendale. And so sure. it was like, okay, I'm already driving this far. So like yeah. if I were to date someone in the Valley, it's not ideal, but it's also not completely unfeasible. I'm already yeah. going out here. But yeah, I think in an ideal world, you would want to live closer to your partner. And it just like helps you to have those shared experiences and allows for more spontaneity and just a lot less stress. Yeah, it facilitates connection to be close to people. And, you know, if you get stressed out driving to your partner, like, it's kind of doomed to begin with, I think. Yeah, yeah. Also, another element of distance, I really feel like the people who live in like Silver Lake, Echo Park, like areas like that versus like a Santa Monica, Venice or anywhere further west, like totally different people, like fundamentally. Oh, completely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, each like borough of Los Angeles, I guess I'm going to call it, has its own culture, completely Mm -hmm. different food culture, different music culture. Yeah, it's a different different spot, which is great. It's one of the amazing things about LA, right? You can Mm -hmm. travel within your city and have these different cultural experiences. But yeah, different kind of person, for sure. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know if someone who lives in Silver Lake would want to date me. Like, obviously right. not oh, for sure. Yeah, it goes both ways. Totally. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I'm interesting enough or like go to enough live music. I don't know. All, I don't know anything niche enough to date someone no. in Silver Lake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm way too basic for Silver Lake people. S- seriously. They'd be like, oh, you're listening to Ariana Grande again. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I don't gosh. know anyone who plays at the Echoplex. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> nope, nope. I wish I did, but it's just not who I am, sadly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. So that leads into kind of like the different archetypes, because you're so mm. right. I think every neighborhood in LA has its own person. But as a whole, I feel like there are a few different like categories of guy who are like stereotypes, of course. There's more nuance, but when you look at kind of the broader categorization, I feel like there's a few different types of guy or person you meet in Los Angeles. And so I had a few that I kind of wanted to like talk oh, yeah. through with you, get your thoughts. And if you had any additional ones, I definitely that you've had a couple. <laughs> yes. So I feel like for one, there's like the struggling artist and mm. that can span an array of different like arts. Like it could be writers who are attempting to draft their next big screenplay. It can be actors. It can be musicians, even though I feel like it's a little less common than the writers and the actors, but still a a category you can't overlook. Yeah, definitely. And I think you could even maybe bundle in like content creator, right? Like now that there's this like influencer culture, right? They're always aspiring people. And it's great that they're doing this, but they often play it off as if that's the thing that they do that supports them financially. Yes. And it's not. Yeah. It's like, just own it. You know, everyone understands that it's going to be a hustle, but I think it is so much more inauthentic when they're like, yeah, this is just my life. And like, I earn all of my living through this. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's okay that you have one credit on your IMDb page or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And we understand. It's fine. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that one. That's definitely, definitely LA specific. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I feel like I just have so much less in common with those people. And it's not a judgmental thing at all. I actually think it's really cool. And it's so brave to put yourself out there in that creative sense. But the lifestyle is just so different. And for example, like that musician I went out with who was like, it's 11 o'clock. What are you doing after this? And I was like, oh my God, I have to get up and like be at work at 9am and do all this stuff before. Like, there's just so much more fluidity for them that I can't really accommodate, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, my dad was an actor for a long time, but I, without hesitation, say that I do not date actors. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that to (laughs) me is just a big red flag. But for the same reason, like, my life is just so much more structured. And Mm -hmm. part of the way that my brain operates is I need a certain level of certainty. And there's Mm -hmm. a level of certainty that doesn't exist there. um, That, you know, great for them for, you know, pursuing their dream and having the hustle, but it just doesn't align with, with what I need in my life. Yeah, totally. Especially at age 30, you know, like I think I'd be more open to it if I just graduated and was Mm -hmm. still figuring things out. And I had that spontaneity still, but it's, it's slowly evaporating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a part of me that goes, okay, so like, at what point do you say, (laughs) you know, like, like, where's plan B, you know, whatever, like, and that's just in my nature. And they're shooting for the stars. And that's great. But yeah, it gives me too much anxiety. Yes, you're so right. It is such a hard balance because you always hear those like inspirational speakers who are like, yeah, like think about the person who was mining away trying to find diamonds and they quit when they were just an inch away. And so I think that really perpetuates never giving up, which is great. But at some point you do kind of have to have that contingency plan. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So the next category that I've kind of encountered are like the talent agency bros. Mm, I I feel like it's kind of like the West Coast version of like the finance bro. It's like a very specific industry and archetype of person who goes into that field. There's just like a little asterisk that says like see entourage. Yeah. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like that's Yeah, absolutely. There are a ton of those. And yeah, it is. It's exactly what it is. The West Coast version of, of a finance bro. Yeah, it's so specific. I can't say I've really dated anyone like that. I had an ex who tried it, hated it, and then he actually did go into finance. So I guess, you know, it's not that far (laughs) off. Like attracts like. Yeah, me neither. I've never, never dated that person. I actually haven't come across too many of those. Like I know that they're Mm -hmm. out there. I think I'm just not living in the right part of LA to, to come across them, to be honest. Like it's not in my circle. Agreed. And it's so funny because even though I work in entertainment, I think that my sphere of entertainment is just such a vastly different vibe and Mm. so much less glamorous and it's not going to be rubbing elbows with celebrities, you know? So I still don't encounter those people in my day-to-day either. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'm okay with it. I don't think that's my person. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, again, I don't think they would want to date me either. So it's fine. Same. Mm Mm-hmm. So then I have the next category as like fitness fanatics. And I Mm. feel like these often overlap with the struggling artists because like they have to stay in shape for their career. So they might use it as a side hustle and like teach a berries class or teach yoga or teach it soul cycle. Yeah, they love Gold's Gym, that person. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There are a lot of those people at Gold's Gym. (laughs) There there are. There are. There are. It's so interesting. And then the last one I had is like the spiritual but non-religious. So like the ones who are very (laughs) into meditation, like crystals, healing, Reiki, all of that. Yeah. So I have a variation on that. This actually came up when one of my friends dated one of these people, Mm -hmm. uh, but I call him the Venice conscious male. (laughs) 
Um, and like, he's a very specific kind of person, right? So he's like super into biohacking. Like he probably tapes his mouth shut at night and like oh really wants to talk about blue blockers. You know, he like loves Justa. Nothing, Justa is delicious. Don't get me wrong. But like, that's his spot for sure. Like he probably microdoses. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. He wants to talk about his like next ayahuasca ceremony in Joshua Tree and like Burning Man. Yeah. And like he probably frequents like sound baths and tea ceremonies. But like this person will probably also still do coke off a toilet seat and like probably yes. call drugs medicine. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that person. <laughs> you describing this gave me so much anxiety because I just imagine <laughs> being on a date with this person and then bringing these things up. I have nothing to contribute at all. Literally nothing. Like... <laughs> So I used to work for a yoga and wellness festival. So oh, wow. I know I've met so many of these people and like can definitely talk the talk, but I do not yeah. walk the walk. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, you're literally saying things. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. For, um, one of my best friends, she went on a date with a guy and he came to stay at her house after a couple of dates and he brought his like mouth taping kit Oh my gosh. And he taped his mouth shut and she's like, you know, if you're going to do that, you can't kiss me. And he's like, oh, oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Priorities. It's like kissing with a mask on. Like. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so interesting because I feel like, you know, I'm pretty health conscious, but it's like, that's just such another level of health yeah. consciousness. And I went on a date with someone who kind of fit into this. Like this was someone who... Honestly, I really admired his dedication because mm. he used to be an addict. And so he was just totally clean. Like he For was sure. not sober, all of this. He had also taken up meditation. And mm. so he was telling me about how he went on a multiple day silent meditation oh, retreat. Yeah. And then on our second date, he guided me through meditation. And I was describing it wow. to my friend. And I was like, yeah, he's really great. I mean, like he took me on this amazing date. He seems really like into it after only like two, three meetups. And she's like, Leslie, this person has an addictive personality. So yeah. it's like they are going to dive 100% into this meditation. And that's why they're going to do it for a full weekend when most people wouldn't. Of course, they're going to dive into whoever they're dating. And there's nothing wrong with that. I personally don't have an addictive personality. So I yeah. feel like it can be a lot by contrast. Mm, that's a great observation about him, that person that you were going out with. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that there's just like a culture of like, deeply diving into vulnerability with people really, really yes. early, mm -hmm. um, which can create, I think, a false sense of like deep connection, even though it's mm -hmm. not necessarily there, right? You feel like connected to this person, but you may not necessarily be able to identify why. Yeah. And, you know, they're very accustomed to being vulnerable really early on. So it mm -hmm. creates, yeah, just this like early sense of connectedness. You're so right. And I liken it to, I mean, I know this trivializes it, but it reminds me of like The Bachelor because it's like this yes. really accelerated timeline and people feel pressure to open up and like you're in these really intense situations that you wouldn't be in on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that's why people feel like they're falling in love because they're like, well, I know so much about them. But like on a normal second date, you're not going to talk about your childhood trauma or right. your relationship with your estranged parent or anything like that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And especially if they're taking you to do things that, you know, might be new to you, like if they're taking you to a sound bath or a tea mm -hmm. ceremony or whatever, right? Like that is the premise of The Bachelor, right? They put them in these mm -hmm. intense situations and also these really extreme like adrenaline inducing situations. And that creates, you know, hormonal sense feelings of connection with whomever you're with. So, yeah. um, you know, anytime you're doing something new that's outside of your comfort zone, you're going to start to feel more connected to that person. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I actually, when I was 22, I went skydiving on a third date. Wow. And it 
was the same thing. Like I felt all this adrenaline coursing through me afterwards. And I was like, I felt so close to him, but I'm like, I pro- probably wasn't him. I'm sure it was entirely the experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. A hundred percent. Especially if you do a little eye gazing. Oh man, yeah. that eye gazing oh, will get you. <laughs> really deepens that intensity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any other archetypes that you've kind of encountered? Yeah, I do. I have two others. So the first one is, we just call him like Peter Pan, right? Like he's probably between the ages of like 38 and 42. Like -hmm. he probably surfs before work and he's never (laughs) been married or engaged. He's definitely on the apps and Mm -hmm. he might have a child from a previous relationship, but you know, he's still not looking for anything serious. (laughs) Not ready to settle down. Still not ready to settle down. Yeah. Yeah. And LA really facilitates that too. So it does. uh, I think there are a lot of those here. There are so many, and that's such a good one to call out. And it's like, at what point will you be ready to settle down, you know? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I I think there are some people who are just confirmed bachelors, right, for their Mm -hmm. whole lives, which is, you know, a great choice for them. But yeah, don't don't fall for that stereotype. You're not going to change that person. (laughs) No, yeah, definitely not worth trying. Yeah. And then my other one would be like USC MBA guy. And I went to USC, so fight <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. This archetype like doesn't have an age limit, right? Like mm-hmm. some guys age out of it, but not all of them do. And he's like a five or a six, but he only dates tens. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's very, very much that like grass is always greener person. Like he'll mm-hmm. text you after a date, but just to kind of keep you on the hook, not because mm-hmm. he like actually wants to see you again. And then he's probably on like some committees that don't really mean anything. He definitely (laughs) drives a Beamer for sure, for sure. And if he's on the younger like side of things, he definitely lives in Brentwood. Yeah. Oh my God. You're so right. All of them live in Brentwood. They all live in Brentwood. I don't know why, but they do. Like moths to a flame. (laughs) It's so true. And I feel like when I had recently graduated, I was going out in Brentwood a lot and I would meet so many of them. And I went to UCLA, so I have to plug that. But (laughs) I was just like, oh, this is a really specific type of person that I didn't really encounter for my four years in college. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. And his apartment, like definitely like a man cave. Yes, it's not well kept. Like there, he's like a minimalist, but it really just means he hasn't like taken the time to buy real furniture. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, do you feel like you've dated any of these archetypes? Like, do you have any standout experiences with any of them? I feel like I try. I feel like the mo- one for me would probably be like gym guy. Like I'm pretty fitness focused, mm-hmm. but I otherwise I try to like dodge like bob and weave around the rest yeah. of these archetypes <laughs> a little bit. I feel like Same. I you know have seen them so much that I can spot them from a mile away and try to you know matrix my way out of it. <laughs> It's so true. I feel the same way. Like, obviously, I've had experiences here and there, like the meditation and all that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I haven't had any long standing experiences with any of these people. No, no, me neither. Yeah. Again, they're looking for a certain type of person, and I am not going to fit that archetype for long. So, yeah, exactly. Would agree for sure. So, I wanted to talk about like kind of dating in other cities. And so, Obviously, you know, if you're kind of traveling for vacation, you're not necessarily going to like get the full dating experience, but sometimes you go to a different city and you get the vibe of what it might be like if you were to date there. And so I guess I would love to hear how you feel like guys compare in different cities when you have travels Mm. like across the US specifically. For sure. Well, I will say this, even though I have lived in LA my whole life, right? I'm an LA native. My favorite characteristic in a man is that he's geographically undesirable. 
That's <laughs> my favorite characteristic. Um, and I will unpack that with a therapist at some point in my life, I'm sure. But <laughs> but like my most recent ex-boyfriend was Canadian and lived mm-hmm. in Canada. Oh. Um, and like men from other states love me. I don't know why. Like, I don't know what it is. But like people in Nashville and Colorado and Utah and anytime I go other places, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Yes. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like a novelty thing, but mm-hmm. I don't know. My Canadian ex-boyfriend and I always used to joke. I was like, yeah, I'm like a seven in LA, but like I'm a 12 in Canada. Oh my God. A hundred percent. It's like the competition just doesn't feel as stark other places. Yeah. yeah. It's just a whole different, different thing. But yeah, I mean, I think that the, you know, the archetypes you get and the characters that you meet other places are very different. And mm-hmm. You know, I I always take it as like really high praise when people tell me that they're surprised that I'm from L.A., Um, which maybe is part of the reason that I get along with people that are not L.A. people or not like archetype type people. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by the idea of moving for dating. (laughs) I know I'm from San Diego originally, and I'll go back pretty regularly. My mom's still there. I still have friends who are there. And it is interesting because it's not far away at all. But San Diegans hate LA. It's like this really interesting rivalry where it's like, you know, you have the team that hates the other team and the other team is like, oh, we don't consider you competition. And not to shit on San Diego, because I still love it so much. And I do see the validity of what people say about it. But even just like last weekend, I was down in San Diego and I met this guy and he, I guess, had spent some time in LA for work and just had no qualms about openly shitting on it, even Mm. though he was with me and two other friends and we're like, we live there. So... It's very interesting. And I do kind of feel similarly in that, like, I don't think that I necessarily embody the negative stereotypes that people might have about LA, which is something I also take pride in. Yeah, absolutely. LA is a very polarizing place. People come here and they either fall in love with it or they Mm -hmm. never want to come back here ever again. It's true. And I I would say I feel like it takes some getting used to because even after I moved here for college, and then my first year out, I moved out of Westwood, finally. So it was like my first taste of really living here. And it took me a couple months before I actually felt comfortable in the city. At first, I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know if I'm into it. Like Westwood is such a bubble and it feels so insulated from the rest of the city that when you do branch out, I feel like it's kind of a slap in the face, but like you just have to find your area that fits your personality, like find your people, find the things that you love about the city and then it really grows on you. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, you just have to find your tribe for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, you know, I also, when I've traveled to other cities, like you mentioned, I also feel like I would do so well if I were to leave <laughs> Los Angeles. Yes. Like I, I went to Nashville in particular and I was like, I feel like I would crush it here just based on like the one weekend that mm-hmm. I was in town. And also I went to Denver with a girlfriend and we went on the dating apps just to kind of like see what was out there. And I just feel like even the conversations I had with these people, even though it was such a short period of time, it just felt like they were more promising than the conversations I would have had with new guys on the apps in LA in the same period of time. So interesting. Yeah, I really do agree with that. I don't know. I can't really characterize it as to why, Mm -hmm. but I think there is just, maybe it is some of that like, you know, lack of choice, right? Like they don't feel so distracted by the next great thing. Mm -hmm. My friend always describes LA as a city of 10s looking for 11s. And it's so true. Like, I just think that the expectations here are pretty unreasonable. It's like going back to that USC MBA guy. It's Mm -hmm. like, when you're six, and you feel entitled to date a 10, I think that says something about like the culture and like the access of women that you have here. It's interesting. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are so many incredible, I mean, there are incredible women everywhere. There are a ton of incredible single women in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and a lot of single women, you know, and it's just like, it just, I, I, I don't really know why, but I think it is, it is some of that. Like maybe it's because there are too many of us, <laughs> right? I know. So many, so many great choices. It's so true. It's so true. I actually, I was listening to this podcast and they interviewed an author, Dan Berger, and he has this book called Datanomics. Mm. And he talked about like the studies that he did where he went to college campuses and he looked at the ratio of males to females. And it just really dictated how, I guess, for lack of a better word, douchey the guys would act and like how much they would just kind of throw away certain relationships. Like he went to Wesleyan, which I didn't even think about, you know, the men that go to that school, but they're so outnumbered by women. And he was just talking about like, yeah, these guys are like, you know, having sex with like dozens of women, like regularly having like threesomes. And it's like, this is not a guy who would have game in a normal balanced economy. Yeah. And then that attitude just carries over into the rest of their lives, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. right? It sets this false precedent for how things should be. Totally. It's so fascinating. But I also feel like there's so many amazing single women and I don't think that there's like a stigma around it here, but I'm like, okay, if I were to move to Nashville, would there be a stigma? Like, would most people just be married and settle down? Maybe it would be too late, honestly. Or you'd be catching somebody out of a divorce. You know, I think that that's another piece of it too. Like, you just have to be open to having a different type of dating experience, right? Because you probably, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess in LA, there's a good chance you're not going to be their first marriage either. But (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) But yeah, definitely different. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I thought about the same thing quite a bit. There's definitely a different culture around dating and relationships and the age at which things happen in other cities and other parts of the country. Yeah. So clearly you're very rooted in Santa Monica, but was there ever a time when you thought about leaving LA? Oh, I do all the time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I mean, you know, I've stayed here for one reason or another, like jobs or, you know, Mm -hmm. hobbies or or what have you. And I do love LA, right? Like it is my home and the weather is incredible. And, you know, I could wax poetic about Los Angeles. But even still, I have thought about leaving because I do love the mountains. And, you know, Utah, Colorado, like those states really call to me from a cultural perspective in that way. Mm -hmm. So I can't say that it won't happen. I kind of say that I'm actively plotting my escape, but just Mm -hmm. it's a very, very, <laughs> long roadmap to get there. So <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like when I had my previous job where I would travel for work, a lot of our travel was through different cities in the US because there's just for focus groups. Yeah. And every single city I went to, I was like, I could see myself living here. Like I had this moment where I would just envision what my life would look like and having more space and yeah. just things being cleaner and people being friendlier. And there are definitely appealing moments. But similar to you, I think I always stay here for some other reason. And right now I do feel very tied. So yeah, absolutely. I, the last time I was in Utah, I just literally was driving around by myself going, I can't believe how wide the streets are. Look how far apart the houses are. Like, how, what is this place? It's literally unheard of. And like when I went to Denver, I was just looking around. I was like, everything is clean. Like, yes. how, how? It's it's crazy. <laughs> I can't even fathom that. Yeah, definitely. I, I do envision myself going elsewhere, but who knows when or if it will happen. Yeah, we'll see. 
Do you feel like when you meet people at first, you know, before they kind of get to know your personality, do they treat you a certain way when they find out that you're from LA and actually grew up here? Because I feel like people always have a comment of like, I thought nobody grew up here, you know, like have some snarky thing to say. Yeah, I have started kind of beating them to the punch on that one. So when people ask me where I'm from, I'll say, oh, I'm from LA. And then I'll say, I'm a unicorn. (laughs) And uh, just kind of like get that out of the way because I know it's really unusual. And then I will usually tell them because I don't... (laughs) have no filter anymore I'm just like yeah people yeah. are surprised when they learn that I'm from here so like I'm cool I promise like yeah you know, like, let me you just give me a chance this. don't don't use that against me yeah you're like any punchline that you're going to make please stop right <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so because of your podcast and the nature of it I wanted to kind of spend some time talking about some of your crazier dating oh, yeah. stories and to give some insight so Emily's podcast format is super fun every week she has a different guest on and she has them tell one of their crazier dating stories from their past so I feel like you know you usually focus on the guest and I would love to hear about <laughs> any of your experiences Yeah definitely so <laughs> So this one I don't know if it's like particular I don't it's not I don't know if it's like funny but it's like kind of shocking so I went out with this guy (laughs) met this guy on I think it was Bumble and he was a firefighter in training Mm -hmm. and we ended up FaceTiming that evening right Mm -hmm. I was like in my pajamas I didn't look great but I was like okay whatever we're doing this (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he was at work at the time which he wasn't supposed to be doing but he like snuck around Mm -hmm. to talk to me on the phone Wow! and the next morning he hits me up and he's like hey do you want to go to breakfast it was Sunday I was like yeah let's go to breakfast that sounds great yeah so I'm meet him for breakfast and we're having a great time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're chatting and it was not even 11 o'clock in the morning and we'd been talking about ice cream or something oh. like that. And he was like, do you want to go get ice cream right wow. now? I was like, <laughs> yes, I do. Am I in a movie? What's happening? So, <laughs> so spontaneous. We, right. So we go to Salt and Straw. They just opened at 11. So we're like the very wow. first customers in Salt and Straw. We're walking down Abbott Kinney and he's saying all these amazing things. And he's like, oh my God, like who told you to say that? Which one of my friends put you up to saying that? Oh like, my God. you know, just kind of like going on and on about how great he thinks I am. Mm-hmm. And one of my hobbies are, is flying airplanes. And so I was going to go oh, wow. fly uh, shortly thereafter. Casual. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, do you want to come with me? So I took him flying. Oh my and, god, that's a which I would date. never do again on a first date, by the way. <laughs> but I took him flying and we had this great time and you know, blah blah blah. And he's like messaging me afterwards and he's like, Do you want to come to my my work holiday party next weekend? And I was like, Wow. Oh, okay, sure. Really um, sh- Why not? That sounds sudden, but sure. And he's like sending me songs and they're like all love songs, you know what I mean? Like all kinds yeah. of stuff. And then later that evening, he said something like, oh, I just, I I don't want to wait till next weekend to see you. Like, can we do something tomorrow? And I was like, okay. Wow. I was like, wow, I met someone. This is so cool. Like, great. You're like, like, I have a boyfriend now. (laughs) I was like, I'm here for this. And so the next day he messages me and he's like, hey, I like didn't get this stuff done that I needed to get done, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. um, but can we do something later in the week? I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. Mm -hmm. And sort of like another day goes by and I don't hear from him and another day goes by and I don't hear from him and I text him like once or twice and I never heard from him ever again. What the Never hell? heard from him ever again. And like all that would have been 
I mean, it was like very disappointing, right? Yeah. But that almost exact same thing had happened to me 10 to 14 days prior with another person. No way. Yes. Yes. That's so bizarre. It's like, why come in so hot only to then like ghost from your life entirely? Right. Well, so the kicker, here's the kicker, is when he and I were talking, we had this really open conversation on Saturday night. And we were talking about the nature of app dating and all of these things. And I say to him, you know... The thing that's hardest for me about app dating is the fact that I feel like I never really know if somebody's interested in me until I'm standing in front of them again. Mm-hmm. And he says, really? I always think it's really easy to know if somebody's interested in you. Uh, so. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, that's uh, – <laughs> That's one of my my <sighs> more bizarre dating stories. But I feel like, I mean, everybody has stories where they like, you know, get all wrapped up in somebody and, you know, it doesn't really end up panning out. But for yeah. me, it was just the fact that he, you know, was like, no, I just feel like it's so obvious when someone's interested <laughs> and yeah. then totally ghosted. The irony. That's yeah. so wild. Oh, my gosh. That's really crazy. I wonder who he took to his holiday party. I know, me too. And you know, <laughs> he sometimes pops up as like a suggested friend on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook is so rude when it does that. I hate it. So rude. And it has an uncanny ability to find the random strangers. Like I've got their phone number and I met up with them one time. I'm like, oh, yeah, yes. that person. Yeah. And so I signed up for Clubhouse. And again, because I never mm. delete texts or any phone numbers, I literally oh, have no. numbers in here from like when I first got an iPhone in like 2011 or whatever year it was. <laughs> and so I signed up for Clubhouse and it's like all these suggested friends like based on your phone contacts. Yeah. And I was like, I literally never want to think about that person ever again. Thank you Clubhouse <laughs> for this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I know that well. Yeah, it's doing the same thing to me on Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, it's an unfortunate blast from the past. It is these little reminders, but it's like Facebook memories or, you know, Instagram <laughs> memories or whatever. It's like, oh, I didn't need, no, thank you. I will pass. I wish you could yeah, opt out. Yeah, I'm okay. I really <laughs> wish you could too. Facebook loves to just roast you. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly oh. what it is. Oh my gosh. So I have to plug, you know, my craziest dating story. Yeah. I've already alluded to it on this podcast and I shared the full story on Emily's podcast. So oh for gosh, anyone who wants to, to hear one. the full story, you have to check out, okay, so I met this guy in order to hear it. But before you do that, I just wanted to close out with a game and I wanted to play Red Flag Jailbreaker, one of my favorites, of course. Yes. But in this case, we had to do LA Stereotype Edition. I love it. Yes. So everything else is perfect about this person. You learn this thing. Is it going to be a red flag where you're like, oh, like that's not ideal? Or is it indicative of like a broader personality defect and you're like, I can't date this person? Okay. All right. So the first one, pretty basic. They only grocery shop at Erewhon. <laughs> red flag. I, yes. I am a suck. I love Erewhon. Erewhon's delicious. Will they buy my groceries for me? Because <laughs> maybe Honestly, that's like, a, maybe that's uh, a positive. <laughs> That's so true. I'm like, if you can afford to only shop there, good for you. Like, <laughs> that's how I've made it, I think. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. Okay. They've applied to be on The Bachelor multiple times, but they say it's just for their career. <laughs> oh, deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, like, pretty bad. Those are always the villains on the season where it's yeah. like they act like they're falling in love, and they're like, ooh, I had a girlfriend back home. I just wanted to, you know, Every promote time. my album. <laughs> every time every and honestly time. they probably have a career that i don't want any part of <laughs> exactly they're the starving artist <laughs> yes for <Yeah>. sure <laughs> 
Okay, so when you ask them about the bar that they're most excited to go to again, once everything's open fully, they say the bungalow. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and say red flag, because mm-hmm. if they are from out of town, the bungalow mm-hmm. can seem like a novelty. Like if they haven't lived here yeah. very long, like, okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> It's so true. And I'm like, I'm not going to act like I've never been to the bungalow. Like I've been. So I can't judge someone too harshly for saying that. But it is like, really, that's where you're most excited (laughs) to go. Oh, man. Okay, so they work in entertainment, but they regularly mention names of celebrities who they've encountered by first name. So it's probably someone who they've only met like once or twice, but they'll act like they're on a first name basis on the regular. Mm, you know, that's a red flag. I don't know that that's a red flag for me. I mm-hmm. grew up in LA and I did go to private school and like went to school with a bunch of celebrities children. So like, I don't care about any yeah. of those things. So mm-hmm. if I kind of like made it clear that like, I couldn't care less if they know any of this and they kept doing it, then it's probably a deal breaker. Yeah, I agree. I think the first couple times similar to you, it would be a red flag. I think if they kept doing it, I would be like, this person clearly feels like they need something to prove. It's like yeah. a little bit pretentious, inauthentic. And I'm not into that vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so for this one, you haven't met this person. You're swiping through their dating app. They're attractive. Everything else is great. But all of the photos are clearly either a headshot or they're from like a photo shoot. Oh, no, no. Deal breaker. I figured you were going to say that. I was like, that's like the clear <laughs> sign that this person If I see one category. professional headshot, I'm out. <laughs> too and I was in so I was in a clubhouse room the other day and it was like dating advice for men so I was just Mm. listening you know super interesting yeah and I think that men really a their friends don't take photos of them the same way that women's Mm. friends do and also they don't really know what a good photo is so sometimes you'll go on and you'll be like okay this photo looks good but then they look totally different in this other photo And someone was like, yeah, you should pay someone to like do a photo shoot. Like they were giving that as the advice. And I didn't chime in, but I so strongly disagreed with that. Like I would rather see slightly awkward photos than like a weird photo shoot. I agree. I mean, the number of times that I've swiped through a profile and said, I have no idea what this person looks like (laughs) is frequent. (laughs) It happens all the time. And mm-hmm. you're that's exactly what it is. Somebody else was saying the same thing to me the other day. It was a guy that my friend is dating. He's like, yeah, guys just don't take photos of each other. No. And I think guys just need to get over it, get over the shame, just ask their friends or whatever. Yeah. Like, or maybe just like set up a little like, you know, a uh, tripod or something. I don't know. Yes. Don't get professional shots done. No, please it's not. not. It's like, it. for me, it's the equivalent of a shirtless selfie or like mm-hmm. a photo of just your car or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> like, all like that's flags. in the same category. Yeah. Yeah. The other day, again, when I was in San Diego last weekend, my friends and I were walking like down the beach and we saw two guys taking pictures of each other. And I was like, that is the energy that men need yes. in their lives to make 10, their dating profiles better. I love that. It was really cute. I agree. Men supporting men. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, more of that. (sighs) Okay, so my last question. So you are dating this person and you're about to celebrate your first birthday with them. And the only thing they give you is a crystal. And it's like an expensive (laughs) crystal, but it's just a crystal. Was it charged under a full moon? (laughs) Yes, let's say yes, so that it gives it a little bit more credibility. (laughs) Um. So I, I I don't, I'm not like into crystals in any Mm -hmm. way. I think that they work for the people that believe that they work for. I I probably would never start dating someone who's super into (laughs) crystals, but I guess if I didn't know, right? And they just Mm -hmm. gave it to me, like, 
it would be a red flag because mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go red flag instead of deal breaker because potentially it is something that was like super meaningful to them. Yeah. Right. And they yeah. were like really, you know, trying to give me some good juju in my life. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a big gifts person to begin with, so it's not mm-hmm. super important to me. But yeah, uh, that's that's going to be a red flag for sure. Yeah, I I wouldn't break up with someone over a gift ever because that seems very hasty, especially yeah. if everything else is going well. But it would be a big red flag for me because I'm not into crystals at all. Yeah. No shade to anyone who is. I think you totally. described it perfectly. If you believe in them, I think they kind of like work in manifesting whatever you're looking yeah. for. But I'm not into them. So I'd be like, do you know me at all? Like, right. why would you get this for me? Right. It does seem like a misalignment in understanding. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, so much fun. And I really encourage everyone to check out Emily's podcast. I would love if you could plug where people could find it and you, all of the social media handles. Yeah, definitely. So you can find me on Instagram at okay, so I met this guy. Um, if you have any crazy dating stories and you want to submit one, you can either DM me or email me at redflag at okay, so I met this guy.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. I'll let you know when I'm sharing your story so uh, all your listeners can tune in (laughs) and hear that one. Perfect. Can't wait. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.